Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. We are back. Second episode of the year. 78th episode of all time. Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. I'm joined in studio with... Angel Gonzalez. And... Andy Bernard. And phoning in from... Are you at uh, uh, Miralago? Yes. Yes, I'm at Donald Trump's house. That's exactly where I am. Yes, I'm hanging out with Donald because, you know, I'll, I'll tell you during the show, there, there's a headline this morning, because I asked you about what must that feel like to to be Donald Trump today and everybody's laughing at you or hates you or, you know, it's got to be just painful to be him this morning. And then, of course, I, the Star Tribune's headline is Donald Trump alone. <laughs> like, oh, man. Don't well, maybe you'll call that. up Yoko Ono and they can commiserate together. Yeah, that's right. They can yeah. schmooze together. He broke up the person. Beatles and he broke up the... Anyway, <laughs> we've got to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. iTunes does that sometimes. Hold on. There it is. Deeply offended. Let's just listen to that all day. Welcome back. We're joined in studio. Angel is the general manager of our Chrysler Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram store in Hopkins. And before we get started with the interview, as is the tradition of car selling secrets, Angel, tell us about the very first car you owned. Well, the very first car was a Chevy Celebrity that I had got, gotten from my girlfriend at the time, and I don't know if the color was white or rust, but uh, it was definitely uh, a crowd pleaser. So your girlfriend just gave you her car? Yeah, I bought it off her for a couple hundred bucks. Oh, it was, okay. It was pretty pretty nice exchange of her. And how long did it last? Surprisingly, it lasted me about a year and a half, so that oh. was a great investment. That's a long time for a kid for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. I've never even heard of the Celebrity. Oh, it's not what the tale, the name tells you. I'll tell nope. you that. It was the it was actually a huge <laughs> seller in the eighties. It was General Motors attempt to get into front wheel drive, relatively fuel efficient cars, and they were all okay, but like most eighties cars, the the technology was never very good for paint staying on the car or rust staying mm-hmm. off. Yes. It was just, you well, know, after three or four years, they generally look terrible. I've either seen this car before or it just looks like every 80s sedan. Well, General Motors only made about 45 million of them. Oh, is that all? Give or take a few. And they called it a few different things. It was the same as the old Cutlass, right? They were, oh, yeah. they were just oh, same platform yep. cars. Oh, okay. Anyway. 
So it, it's it's so interesting because everybody starts out with just almost all of us start out with just a beater, and then you work your way up. So anyway, um, I've known Angel for a while, but I I realized when I invited him on the show that I didn't know him very well, Tom. So I said, just give me a quick little bio about who you are. What did you do before you got in the car business? And he sends the following back. Well, let's see. I was born in Panama City, Panama. My family is uh, military, so I served in the Army, is that right? That's correct. For eight years, I was uh, in the uh, uh, rodeo and played college football at the university. I'm like, wow, what a background. <laughs> I mean, what are we, where are we going to start? <laughs> so how did you get into the car business, and when was that? Actually, I got into car business about eight years ago. Um, and okay. so I, I was in the banking business for a long time. And by accident, my resume ended up in some uh, a general sales manager's hands at, in Maury's. Yeah. And then uh, next thing you know, I uh, got into business. They convinced me to leave my eight to five job um, and, <laughs> and decided to take a gander at it. It's probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Well, that's so. cool. Do you know Kevin Don, I'm sure, over at the Toyota store. Yep. You know, he was in banking before he got into car sales. I was not aware of that. Yeah, he uh, he came over from uh, Vietnam with his, with his family, with his mom and his brothers and sisters. His dad had to uh, came over here ten years before to make up an, enough money to bring the family over. Oh. and his dad was a he sold cars locally, and Kevin was in banking and told his mom, "I, I think I, I think I want to sell cars." <laughs> And Tom, you've met Kevin before, uh, my Vietnamese friend yeah. from the Toyota store. Was like, I think he's the he's either he's in the top three of salespeople in the company, and and has been forever. He was number one for a long time until some young whippersnapper down at the Mazda store bumped him off. So how the did you whippersnapper? Fa- yeah, I can't get Alex on. He's too busy selling cars. <laughs> this kid is oh unreal. He sold, I think, in August he sold what ninety cars or something it was like 94 that. Ninety four and a half cars. He sold ninety four <laughs> cars by himself, and he's what twenty three or twenty four. It's wild. I interviewed him once when I was doing PR work, and I said, "What did you do before you was in the car business?" And he says, well, "I worked at Chili's for a day, and I hated it, so I quit." <laughs> <laughs> I think it worked out for him to yeah, change Yeah, he's doing then. okay. He's making more money than probably just about anybody whose name isn't on the buildings. So how did your family uh, go from Panama to the U.S.? What was that journey like? Well, that journey was interesting because uh, it was kind of one of those deals that we, we definitely there was during that time in Noriega, so it was in the early 90s, late 80s, and so it was kind of one of those situations we got afforded the opportunity to kind of get away from uh, the the situation down there, and so we actually ended up uh, in New York for a, a very small stint of time uh-huh. um, as we were trying to figure out where we were going to move to, and Minnesota was like, hey, great school system, so we were all happy and on board, and obviously we came here during the wonderful weather so you know we didn't know any better as as people from panama <laughs> next thing you know we find out there's this thing called snow so it's been oh, interesting that's good i forgot about noriega that was oh, back yeah. then yeah what have you do you go back to panama ever actually i do unfortunately uh we were planning on going this last year there yep. and things change but ultimately it's about trying to get back there every three to five years or so, so. Do you have family still there oh yeah especially on my dad's side so I was going to do uh, uh, 
Tom likes to pick on public radio. I listen to public radio a lot. He calls it welfare radio, but I was going <laughs> to mess with you a little bit because it's just the weirdest thing when uh, they have reporters and they're interviewing or reporting on somebody with a Hispanic name. As soon as they get to their name, they're no longer Americans, and this is every accent. So I'm hearing here with, and it doesn't happen with any other nationality or race, right? When they're interviewing people from Britain, they don't they don't say, "Well, I'm sitting here with Lord Figginbottom," right? <laughs> no, they, they just, don't. Just, it's, it's just weird, yeah. and it's and I love public radio, and I, I learn a lot from them. But it's like you guys are so pretentious it is an you interesting probably don't even phenomenon. speak spanish it's just bizarre to me so what are you uh, gonna do how did you wind up in the military what'd you do yeah so it's actually one of those situations i was uh at school and and one of the guys happened one of those recruiting people or whatever happened to be at some booth uh in, in one of the gymnasiums or something and i actually was trying to of the rest of my family friends uh, i had aunts uncles every type in, in the military of some form i'm mostly in the uh, navy mm-hmm. um and it's one of those situations where i looked at it and the guy started talking we had a good conversation he convinced me to sign up which was not at all what my parents wanted he- Closed you on the spot. <laughs> he closed me. Now was this in co- before he went to college? Or? Yeah, that was before I went to college. Okay. He closed me. I was a junior, and uh, wow. and I came home and I just told my folks, "I'm like, I'm joining the army." I think, and my and my mom, that was, uh, she kind of lost it a little bit on me because <laughs> she was like, "I know the family's done it, but that's why we didn't want you to do it." And so it was kind of one of those situations where it was probably one of the best things I did again because uh, it, he he closed me. We ended up at a family dinner table. And next thing you know, he helped close them, and and off I went. So, yeah, it's interesting. What year was this? Uh, this was in. Uh, he closed me ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my son was. It was a. He set a record as a freshman sophomore and halfway into his junior year is probably the worst academic student that Egan High School ever produced. And, <laughs> He was kind of cracked, and he had a friend that joined the National Guard, and he goes, Dad, I, I, I might want to do that. I said, look, let's go. Let's, if you want to, let's at least talk. It doesn't hurt. And I'm, you know, I'd heard stories like yours before, and, and, uh, and I'm figuring we're just going to get body slammed by this guy. And this recruiter was great. We talked to him for about two hours. He was told his story about why he joined the Guard and what it, what it meant to him and all that sort of stuff. In the end, Wes decided that he was just going to, get his act together and he went from like straight f's to straight a's and then his acts came back and was like yeah okay you can cut the dumb act now he came got a 34 but but the experience was with the recruiter was exactly the opposite of what i thought it was going to be it was it was good i actually think that's what shocked me and the family as well is how much information they were able to provide to kind of bring them to a more comfortable state so well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, you can tell us about your military service and any cool stuff that happened then. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard, and here with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, these are tough times for a lot of businesses. I know that North American Banking Company has been working hard to help several different small and large business owners throughout the state. Tommy, our lenders are working with customers not only on recovery, but planning for the future. To date, we have helped over 365 businesses in the state by lending more than $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. I know these programs can be challenging for a lot of businesses to navigate. 
Right, with many revisions to the Paycheck Protection Plan and similar programs, keeping up with them hasn't been a two-foot putt for many business owners. At North American Banking Company, our team of expert lenders are working with our customers every day to help them understand and navigate these complex programs, simplifying them so our customers can focus on what they do best, running their businesses. Simple. I like it. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square, and use promo code TOM, T-O-M. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. We're back with Angel Gonzalez <laughs> from the crisis. Okay, so you get recruited. It's yes. late 99. You're in the Army. Where did you go? They actually uh, spent most of my time in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, um, when I was in, right before going back to going to school. So that was kind of nice. But yeah, they sent me down there, and I uh, didn't know what to expect. And uh, being that I was uh, NBC, so I was in chemical, um, pretty much unlike other stuff where they send you to different places for training, it was all in one spot. You trained, I stayed there. Like it was a lot of time and we call it misery, but uh, it, it was uh, definitely that for me too. So They never have the Army bases and, you know, great spots. Yeah. It's I'm a, waiting for the Hawaii call. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you and everybody else that got recruited in the last 20 years, he said there was a good chance. Mm-hmm. So what does the Army chemical guys do? I think I know, because I, I knew somebody in the Guard that did something similar to that. Rosemount is a Guard headquarters. Oh, yes. I think that's where their chemical team is. But Yeah, so, I mean, you do uh, – uh, the good news is during that time for me there wasn't a lot going on of activity, so it's mostly a lot of time in training troops on uh, how to wear their chemical gear and making sure people stayed safe and – uh, th- those are the primary job functions. So for me, it was more of a, I, I kind of looked at it as a supply chain kind of guy. So okay. I worked a lot more with uh, the supply sergeants and stuff like that. Um, the only thing is, is that uh, my time there was, I uh, got really interesting because I was one of the fortunate guys that may have almost gotten superpowers by being bit in the Botox by a spider during that time down uh-huh. there. So I got a really cool uh, uh, experience so my nickname around the the, the, the place uh, was uh, Spidey, uh, and I can't say last part. So it was, <laughs> you can. It's a podcast. Technically, but, you can say whatever you but, want. But being Spidey ass everywhere was pretty not not my favorite part. So. 
what kind of spider was it? A brown macruse. Got oh. Me when, yeah, it got me when we were doing a field exercise out for a couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, so that was fun. That is not a good spider to get bit by. No, you c I couldn't sit down in there. They kind of think a lot of the guys thought I was kind of being a little soft because they're like, I'm like, I'm hurting. I can't sit. And, and so there was a lot of a weak lag there, which uh, probably is what attested to having uh, a longer journey of recovery. But it was uh, definitely an experience I'll never forget. That's one thing, nice thing about Minnesota. We don't have too many venomous. Yeah. No, not really. Occasional rattlesnake, but they're very few and far between. Yeah, they don't really want to, you know, deal with you anyway. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I don't like spiders. Yeah, that's one thing about uh, Florida. Definitely has some interesting animals down there that you want to avoid. So I just want to avoid Florida. I, I know you like it down there, Tom, but I love it's Florida. It's just a weird place. Nah, it depends Not on where, where I go. am. Yeah, no. In West Palm Beach, no. There's West Palm Beach isn't weird. No, surprisingly. Oh God. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you would think, but oh God, there's, there's places in Florida that yeah, they're. It's it's multiple different states. There's the deep south in there. There's you know New York City's over there, Minnesota's over there on the west side. Yeah, Fort Myers. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, Fort Myers, White Bear Lake. But I mean, even Minnesota's like that. You know, you go to certain places, it's a completely different universe. They don't have anything in Minnesota like is it Belgrade? Oh, Belgrade. Belgrade. That's right. It's most yes, they do. It's called North Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, it's where I grew up, man. Come on, North is not, although they had another shooting over there today. I don't know if you heard about that. Surprise. Yeah, over in, uh, it was on Vincent and Dowling, my old stomping grounds there for later on in my life. Is that like when on we, the border of Camden? Yes, okay. it's right up that way. It's a little further west than Camden, but but it's right there, yeah. Indeed, so. No, it's good for you to, you know, the only thing you don't want to do in Belglade is uh, maybe, like, drive through there at 1 in the morning and then stop at the gas station and buy a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, don't do that. No. <laughs> it's like the, Not meth, a good the meth capital of the planet, isn't it? It was it's also the uh, there, AIDS yeah. AIDS capital of the of the United States. There were more people with AIDS per percentage there than anywhere else in America. You share needles, that's what's going to happen. So is it poor farm workers yeah. that, is that the population there, is that... Part of the problem, mostly Haitian is, is, oh, is really? the deal. I yeah. guess yeah, it's mostly Haitians. Yeah, huh. I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely Which, a lot of well, I mean, there's not really that many poor farmers left in Florida. They've all kind of no. left the state. There's not a whole you, like the whole Florida oranges thing. That's over. Really? They, yeah. yeah, it is. They don't do Florida oh, yeah, oranges no anymore. I don't know yeah, why. I, I was not aware that? of that. Yeah, no, uh, it was like a couple years ago they just decided we're not going to – they don't subsidize the orange farmers or something anymore. But, yeah, no one uh, – Well, you could assume you, they're never going to stop growing them because they're making too much money, right? Well, yeah, you would think. But a lot of the orange trees, like there was what, – what road was that where we'd come home from the airport and there was always orange trees on the left? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but they're all gone um, now. They cut them all down. Huh. Yeah, they did. They cut them all down. Yep. Was that yeah. was Okeechobee when there I was a Belvedere? I think that was Okeechobee. Yeah, over out west. I think it was, think it was Okeechobee yep. out west. Yep. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it's just the way it is. And you know, look, I, you know, they pointed out that that the population in Belgrade is mostly Haitian, and it's not a situation where people are staying out of there because they are Haitian. It's the Haitians really don't want you there. No. You know, so I'm not blaming the Haitians. I'm just saying they they're just not that, that comfortable with people coming there. You know, it happens, right? Yeah, I suppose. 
It's a, I, don't, like I don't like Florida's beard. <laughs> How do you not like Florida? What do you like? Like Keokuk, Iowa? Is that what you like? No, I like New England. I like Best New place. England. You know, once you get north of Oh, well, New England, yeah. yeah. Well, you know. I like toity Harbor. Dad guy, lives in North know. Carolina in the, on the, by the ocean. I think that's just a great, fabulous, little-known spot to live. No, but, North Carolina. You know, anytime there's some weird thing that happens, it starts like a man in Florida today, <laughs> and it's well, like pulled that. out his teeth with a pair of ice grips while yodeling on the Miami freeway. It's just stay out of the Panhandle, stay out of the Everglades, and you'll be fine. Okay. Indeed, you're fine. Don't worry about a thing. One thing I tell you, I I just was sent a message. Uh, Andy knows Doug Dawson really well. Doug's a very good friend of mine. Lives in Toronto, Canada. Doug just sent me a text message or just, uh, sent me an email with a, a piece of uh, video. Apparently, the very first murder of the year in Toronto happened this uh, last night or early this morning. And it was a Minneapolis man, uh, a Somali man from Minneapolis, was shot to death in Toronto this oh, morning. Oh, no. Mm. Oh, no. It's like, man, what is that all about? I, I didn't think you could go to Canada. Yeah, though. That, that's the weird part of it. Yeah. I, I think you can now, can't can you? Well, the restrictions are lifted. Oh, can you? I don't know. I guess I don't know. Everybody's building the wall. Go. Keep the Americans out. <laughs> yeah, his name is Mohammed Jelani. Mohammed Jelani, and he's a young guy. He looks like he's maybe mid-20s and... Doesn't really say why the, a gunfight broke out, but yeah, first murder of the year in Toronto. Sad. Let's see. Uh, if you're a Canadian citizen, permanent resident, uh, foreign nationals can only travel if they're eligible, which means they have Canadian family mostly. So well, yeah, no, you really, work visa probably. Uh, I don't even know about that actually. I don't think so. I know Doug can't can't leave Canada unless he wants to be in quarantine for a month. Oof. Yeah. I went to really? uh, Toronto summer before last with our buddy Tom Ryan. Uh, who, yeah. His yep. other job besides collecting books and famous authors is uh, training dealers that want to become one-price dealers. And he goes, come on up to uh, Toronto. We're going to train the world's largest Porsche dealership. And I... I really have never paid any attention to Toronto, so I was just Great floored town. that it's 9 million people and incredibly mm-hmm. diverse. I mean, there's a huge Chinese community. I, I just assumed it yep. was like, yep. actually, you know, Alexandria with a bunch of hockey players. The thing I'll tell you about Toronto, so I actually had the fortune to go to school there for a year oh, in Oshawa. Really? Okay. Uh, right, about, right outside oh, yeah. of Toronto. And yep. uh, I would tell you that one of the things that I realized when I went to, like, the malls and everything and going up there to play basketball, I was like, whoa, I feel like I'm right back in America. It yeah. Was, oh, uh, yeah. You know, it was, it was pretty cool. And a lot of money in Toronto. Oh, yeah. So, Angel, you're oh, in the yeah. car business. So the, the world's largest uh, Porsche dealership, the month we were there, guess how many brand-new Porsches they'd retail? Oh, man. You said the largest? Yep. Biggest in the world. Now, by comparison, our Porsche, Porsche store in Wichita sells four or five new cars right. a month on average. Sometimes they'll do 12, and sometimes it's one. But, but that's about it, right? Yeah. I would probably be assuming somewhere around 100. Or, 158. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's just... Wow, these that's guys, a lot. It's the FAF group. They own all these Mercedes, Ferrari. They've got a CGDAR deal, too. They also own the Toronto Motor Speedway, and they're the distributor from McLaren in Canada. I mean, oh like, my wow, goodness. what are we going to teach these guys? And it turns out that even though they were very successful, they, they did need a lot of uh, 
edumacation, so it was fun to do that. Wow. That's a lot of cars. That's that's a <laughs> lot of Porsches. Porsches. I mean, yeah, like, wow. Because the average selling price of a Porsche probably is just south of 100 when you figure out in the oh, really yeah. expensive ones with the boxes. Yeah. Man, what an operation. Oh, can I, Go ahead. Can I ask you guys a question about that? No. You know, they keep... they keep. Okay, I won't ask you. I'm out. Uh, um, uh, I, was, I was talking to somebody about this, as a matter of fact. You know, the, the Green New Deal and this, and they're going to, you know, push electric cars by 2030 and all the rest of it. And the only, the only thing I don't understand about that is, isn't the average price of a Tesla like $100,000? How are well, people going to afford this? Yeah, so that is a really good question. A lot of the electric cars, like the new Mustang is probably making the biggest splash. And uh, I think the standard model is high 30s, 40 grand. If you get the all out, oh, okay. Uh, zero to sixty in three and a half second all-wheel drive one with you know four hundred miles of battery life. That's fifty-three thousand. Hmm. Uh, okay. Now they might be underpriced because they've sold them all. Um, but yeah, yeah, the original Teslas were really expensive. The I think it's the Model Three, which is the kind of Chevy Corolla of the Tesla line, is what oh, th- yeah. thirty-five yep. grand yeah, or something right. like that. I do oh, wonder, really? that's not bad. is it even theoretically possible to convert a combustion car into an electric car? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Neil Young, a mm-hmm. uh, famous guitar player, loves old American cars, and he's a tree hugger. So he paid a guy, he bought a like a 62 Lincoln Continental, like the car that yeah. Kennedy got killed in, yeah. and had him converted yeah. to an all-electric vehicle. Now, it costs a lot of money. You well, have to be a yeah. famous rock star to afford it. But, right. but So there's not going to be a market for that in the future, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that what will happen is, you know, it, it's not going to be overnight, even though there's legislation in a few states in this country and probably more going on board and several countries across the world where they'll they'll prohibit the sales of internal combustion cars after a certain year. It doesn't mean all the internal combustion cars no. will just disappear. It'll take another 10 or 15 or 20 years right. for that whole transition yeah. to take place, I think. Unless they can figure out how to make batteries so darn cheap that you could buy something that's just fabulous that's, for 20 grand. That's going to be the next breakthrough is, well, if they can even make that breakthrough is, yeah, batteries. I've got a, something to talk to uh, Angel about. I, I just saw, I don't think it was a meme on a car selling uh, website that I visit once in a while. It's like General Motors racing to build electric cars. Ford announces the new Mustang Chrysler. And it's the caption is, it's a bunch of guys standing around a Pacifica, which is the replace the town and country minivan. He goes, I think we can put a Hellcat motor in that. <laughs> of course they were thinking that. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, the Hellcat is a six-liter supercharged 700 and whatever horsepower engine that they've stuffed into uh, Jeep Grand Cherokees, Chargers, Challengers, uh, and probably oh Dodge Durango. Now. Yes, they have. Yep. Oh, yes, the Durango. Have. The Durango God. has it now. I had a Durango 15-ish years ago. You probably had one of those wimpy 300 horsepower <laughs> model ones. Yeah, step up yes. your game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Andy. You need on. a Durango, or if you floor it, it actually it tips over in on its back. Angel, you probably don't know this, but when I came back to I came back to Walzer in 04, 03 or 04. And Paul had me running all these different dealerships that nobody else wanted, like Lincoln. We had a Lincoln Mercury store at the time. Oh. And, and I ran uh, the Dodge store. 
that was in Bloomington right across the street from where Honest is now. That oh. was a standalone Dodge Point right there. It's where Red Robin and all that stuff is. Okay. They call me the closer because every store that I ever ran closed. <laughs> but I, yeah, did, exactly. be closing. I yeah. did learn to love the Chrysler product. I mean, they would just do the weirdest stuff. It's like, okay, let's make a station wagon, stick a big motor in it, and make it all-wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah, it was just fun. My wife drives a 300, actually. Because your service department screwed up the oil change and stuff on my last oh, one. I'm like, oh, I knew You so weren't there then. You were not there. Yeah, that was not me. This was was about, not. It, it's so funny <laughs> because I I bought a C, and it was ready for tires and an oil change. They had a new service writer and dropped it off in the morning, took off, came back at 5 in the afternoon. It was like a Friday. I said, yeah, ready for my car, and you could see the blood drain out of his face. Oh, I'm like, no. Um, did it fall off the lift or did you wreck it? I know that look. He goes, no, I forgot to turn in the ticket. I said, don't worry about it. It's okay. And Nand was running the store at the time. And he comes out and he goes, I heard what happened. I said, dude, it's not the end of the world. I'll just bring it back. He goes, I got a really nice used one out there with 15,000 miles. I went, yeah, all right, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I so did not out. cause a scene. I, 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 I've been on the, the other end. That's always... You know, being the general manager of a store is a is a challenge because all that stuff usually winds up in your lap. Oh, absolutely. And you can try super hard to train everybody and do the right thing, and still bad stuff is going to happen. I will tell you a story about your store that goes back probably 20 years ago. Ooh, uh, Steve Porter, who is our risk management director, his wife is uh, Paul and Andrew's cousin, so they're like family. Uh, there was a guy who was the general sales manager at the Chrysler store, and the, and he and Porter would always play practical jokes on him. And Steve was going to get Bruce Kittlestead. So he's up on the roof, throwing water, getting ready to launch a water balloon. Hit a customer. Oh, no <laughs> way. How'd you like to be the general manager that had to take yeah. that to you? <laughs> I'm going to opt out. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's somebody that wants to see you, and they're very wet. Um, I'm not here right now. Yeah. We should probably take a short break, and then we'll finish up with uh, the third segment of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets with Angel Gonzalez. We'll be right back. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. 
Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and love their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. We are back. Episode 78 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Um, let's talk cars for a little bit. Let's do it. So what is, is anything new on the horizon with the Chrysler? I know there's a lot going on at the corporate level with buyouts and stuff like that, but... Well, there's actually a lot new that's happening. There's uh, the, the, the Chrysler is trying to get ready to storm the electric market. So obviously now they're doing the the Wrangler is coming out with the four by e now, and that's are going, they really? Yes, I they are. That. That's coming out. So is that an all electric Wrangler? Yep, and it's wow. going, yeah, it's uh, they they've been definitely uh, talking about the speed of it, and the and and so that's going to get some traction. Um, and then obviously the relaunch of the Wagoneer Grand Wagoneer is, is the buzz right now. So the, they're trying to uh, definitely get that old file. Now, is, is that going to come in an electric version? I apologize for not being no. up on my product. I no, actually, uh, that has not. Uh, they did not show the electric okay. version yet at this time. But uh, I, I would assume it'd be right right along this. Because the regular one's going to be seventy five or. 80 something yeah, about like 80 82000 uh, or so and up so it's going to be way cheaper way. than an Escalade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did they put the wood grain on the side? They, you know what? That was the thing I was looking out for. They did not. Uh, I was kind of shocked that they didn't bring that back, but it actually the look of it is is it's definitely going to be in play in the market. So. I, I started selling cars in the early 80s and they were they were really popular and great used cars and I I didn't really know much about them and then I looked at one really close and it's like this is just vinyl, like you cover your <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. shelves in your kitchen with. <laughs> Who are these guys? And people love it. Oh, you I know. know. That was the thing. It's kind, of, it's kind of wild. So an all-electric Wrangler, how much is that going to be, you know? So they're, they're, uh, the idea, I think, is my understanding, is going to be right in the 60s. So you're going to be in that in that realm. So not quite your Tesla, but yeah. it's not going to be you know the most inexpensive out there either. So what's the reaction with a Jeep crowd? You know, the we already had the lately, especially is going to be a lot of from a lot of people have been calling and seeing they can get on the list and seeing if they can get started with that. We actually just took a couple uh, yesterday um, with people that are really excited about this four by e, and they're kind of calling uh, annoyingly a little bit because they're just like, "Is it here yet? Is it here yet?" But yeah, I tell yeah, you, so. Angel, that is running a retail business. That's a really terrible problem to have yeah. when you have a lot of people calling that want to give you money. I know it's it's terrible. It's just terrible. That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we have a market. It looks like it's building for that right wow. now. Tom actually owned one of the very first Teslas, if not the first one in, in Minnesota, about 10 years ago or so. I did, yeah. I owned the very first one. The Roadster. Uh, it was actually 15 years ago. God, is that right? I, I think it was t- 2006, yeah. wasn't no, that the that first year? That sounds about right because did, it was right after you moved to Golden Valley. Did you pick it up in in the state? Did they have a distributor here back then? I know they do now. How did you How did you get it? Um, no, or don't you remember? They shipped it. They shipped it to me. Yeah. Okay, it was shipped to me. So it just showed up on yeah, the Amazon one, Prime one the- truck one day. <laughs> 
I, I was one of the first Tesla owners in the United States, as a matter of fact. So how, do, how did you get interested? Here we are selling Teslas, which we don't have. Uh, but I'm curious, yeah, how, did you nice. get, how, how did you get excited about that? Well, I just, you know, you have to understand. Here's what I love, and, and Angel, I don't know, you know if you know anything about me or whatever, but, but there are certain people that love to say this, that, and the other. Oh, my God, it's just terrible, and blah, blah, blah. I bought the first electric car in the state of Minnesota. Well, I'm not going back. I guess there were electric cars that go back. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the turn of the last century. Yeah. Right, exactly. So so one of the very first mass-marketed electric cars in America. And uh, when we built our house that same year, I asked if I could put uh, put uh, uh, those, what the hell are they getting in, those electric, you know, the panels you put up oh, on your uh, roof. Oh, 220 you know, no, electrical panel? Yeah, so the sun charges you, your your electricity all comes from the sun. So oh, yeah, solar, solar panels, panels, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I asked if I could do that, and they said no, you cannot. The city wouldn't let me do it. Uh, so the first electric car, the first this, first that. Then of course, you know, all the other things that went down. I was like, they got me pegged as this really, really far right guy, and it's like that's not who I am at all. And I don't know why that ever happened, but they just—that's what they think. I don't know why they think that, but they do. Makes me the enemy, I guess. It's a good way to look at yeah. it. It's probably because you're hang, hanging around with car salesmen. <laughs> probably no, true. Nobody likes us know. either. <laughs> it's true. He knows. And he goes, it's, yes, it's true. Nobody likes you. <laughs> I'm not saying it's fair. That's I'm real saying nice. it's true. That is true. It's just so ridiculous. People, people believe what they want to believe. Yes, yeah, they, they do. do. Angel, my... I asked my mom this question 10 or 12 years ago when she moved into a retirement community. I said, Mom, you know, you got one kid who's the director of health and human services at the state of Minnesota, another kid who's a lawyer, and another one is a glorified used car salesman. What do you tell your friends when you're playing bridge? She goes, it's easy. You tell them I got one kid. (laughs) (laughs) And it happens to be the car salesman, so that's good. That one gets omitted. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's the one that gets omitted. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I will tell you another st- story that. about my mom, and you'll appreciate this. So she, uh, my, my stepfather uh, owned a elect- small electronics company that made these microwave meters that they used in assembly plants. And my mom had a retail shop that sold butcher block furniture, and she was actually really good at running a business and kind of had a sales personality. And okay. she called me one Sunday... And she goes, so how's business? I said, God, Mom, we just killed it yesterday. We sold 25 cars. And it's so long ago, I don't remember which store I was at. She goes, well, that sounds good. Any gross? Like, who are you, Paul Walter? (laughs) Any gross. Because in in those days, it was uh, pre-one price. We would negotiate car deals. And sometimes you'd wind up selling a lot of cars and not make any money at all. Or even going in backwards. And that does happen from time to time. But. I have another car question for you, Angel. What do you, you know, last year, mm-hmm. late model used cars were in really, really tight, tight supplies. It was hard to get enough of them. And our used car business was really quite good as a result. What do you mm-hmm. think is going to happen in the late model used car market this year? I actually am um, preparing the team to kind of a lot of the same. Um, we are already seeing that there is already that positioning with people buying cars and, and, and trying to stack them and get ready for what they think is going to come. But I do believe you're going to see a lot of the same activity as, as in the behaviors of, of last year, which is good for us. I, I love your buyer. I, you know, Dan Lindahl, I, I know really, really well. I was the guy when I was the used car director that tapped Casey on the shoulder and said, 
you know, you're really good at, he was a pricer at the time. I says, would you have any interest in learning how to actually buy cars? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I think I would. <laughs> so, and, and Tom, and a lot of our dealerships, especially the bigger ones like Chrysler, uh, because we can't take enough late model trade-ins, we have uh, full-time used cars buyers, and their their job is to buy cars any variety of sources, sometimes directly from other dealers, dealer-to-dealer uh, -dealer auctions, buy stuff off Craigslist, and it's uh, it's kind of fun. I, I was talking to marketing about this, and I think it's still true. Um, there's a lot of people right now that are working from home, and they, they're leasing cars, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And does it make sense if you and your spouse or partner or whatever have two cars, but you're both working from home and one of them's leased? If you can get out of the lease early, and sometimes you can get out three or four or five months early, yeah. why not sell us your car? You don't have to make the payments, and then when you're when you're ready to get another car, you can just come in and lease another one. We started doing some of those ads on KQ, I think last summer or fall, and it was it was really a lot of people went pretty good idea. I don't need to pay four hundred dollars a month. I'll just take the. Yeah. In fact, Andy downsized. He had a Jeep that he just sold. Mm -hmm. I think you sold that to Dan, didn't you, Lindell? Uh, yeah, yep. about I don't probably not even more than three months ago. Yeah. I think. Oh, perfect. Yep. So if you're listening and you're interested in exploring that, you can get a hold of Angel, or if you want to get a hold of me directly at Doug at Walzer.com, I will connect you with the people that actually, they, Walzers are smart enough to let me talk, and they're also smart enough not to give me the checkbook. So you have to go through guys <laughs> like Angel if you want to get any actual money. Checks and balances. That's right. <laughs> it's protection, yeah, protection of the state. <laughs> got nothing to say? Oh my God! I thought I, I thought you guys. I was waiting for, for you. I, I was just totally jacking with you. It's one thing that I've learned from you and Moon. You radi real radio people. That's reflexive. If there's more than a second of dead air, they just jump in and it just takes over. Mm -hmm. So. Oh yeah. I don't. Been there, done that. Get off your ass, Brinthal. Let's go. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Get off your ass, Brinthal. Let's go. Install a dead air alarm. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish a lot of times there were more dead air on, on certain shows I've been on. Believe <laughs> not, not this one, not this one, but some. You know, I I've really appreciated uh, having you on and learning some of your story. It's, it's really when you sent me over that note, I'm like, wow, this guy is really really interesting. So you, your rise from sales to general manager was fast. We absolutely. I mean, the I, I was very fortunate that I actually came in primarily as a F and I guy. Okay. And so coming from the banks and being in, oh, okay. in management for being branch manager for a while, I got in that way, and then it was just a matter that a couple of years later I became the finance director and then kind of just took off from there. Oh so. wow! Okay. Yeah, that is a quick rise. I will tell you this: I worked for Maury Wagner uh, for about a year. This is back in the late '80s. Uh, Jack Walzer got mad at Paul, came in and fired him. And it was because Paul bought Columbia Heights BMW and moved it to Bloomington, and Jack thought that was a terrible oh. idea. Oh, Well, BMW was not a great franchise back in the 90s. They had not invented the ultimate driving machine yet. I mean, they were usually tripled with Audi and Volkswagen and BMW stores. It's, it's the total opposite it was. So Jack, Paul's dad, fires him, brings in another guy, and they fired a bunch of us young guys, including me. I was running the Mazda store, number two in the country. Oh. And uh, Maury Wagner has, had just fired the Jeff Lightoller, who was the new car manager at, at Maury's. So I'm cracked. I'm like 26 years old. I'm like, number two in the effing country, and I get fired? How, does this, how, the hell? how does that happen? So I go home, and 
I walk in the door and the phone's ringing and it's Ron Wolf, who was Maury's partner. And he says, yeah, uh, Maury heard what happened. Uh, he wants to, you know, to talk, talk to you about your future. So I went out there and, and Maury Wagner's like the nicest oh, yes. guy in the world, just fabulous. So I switched from being the new car manager at Walzer to the new car manager at Maury's. And do you know who the assistant used car manager was? Who was that? Your old boss, Carl Schmidt. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and Jim Hartson, who runs uh, Brookdale Honda now, was the used car manager. The Miata had just come out, and in those days, we're selling everyone before it hit the lot for oh, $5,000 yes. over window. So I'm like the king of the walk. Oh, of course you are. And the three of us just fought constantly. <laughs> and Carl was weird back then. But I tell you what, he was a great sales manager. He was... I learned a lot about following up with customers just watching him. He would train his troops, and he'd actually pick up the phone and do it, rather than just go, hey, call Angel back, will ya? It's like, here, let me help you. And, he, you know, and I thought, that's leading from the front. I wonder if this guy's going to go very far. Yeah, <laughs> I think he went places. Yeah, I think he did pretty well. <laughs> so. Anyway, that wraps up episode 78. I know, it's fast, isn't it? That was really fast. It was actually probably 45 minutes, wasn't it, Andy? Uh, Yeah, almost exactly. 44. See? My sense of timing is almost perfect. (laughs) Not lame. (laughs) Wait for it. We'll be back next week. Dana, who is our uh, communications manager internally in Walzer, is going to talk about some really cool stuff. I'm I'm excited to have her on as well. She's been one of my favorite people since she came to the company. Uh, God, I guess it's been three or four years now. News background, very different than me. She's incredibly professional. Uh, So you have that to look forward to. We will see you next week for Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets.